0: Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like the dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated.
1: Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Lauren and Matt, Peter and John, and Trent and Katie. Well, good morning, everybody. Get out your Bible if you have one. Open it up to the book of Matthew, chapter 28, which is where we'll be in just a few minutes. If you want to go to Kid City then uh, now would be the time to meet our Kid City leader in the back, and they will walk you back there. And it's good to be with you all in this way. I know that we have quite a few guests here, and I just want you to know that uh, that it's cool, that we're, we're glad that you're here, and this is a, a group of people just like you. We, we love the city. We love... Um, all that it offers, but all of us have needs. We have needs to, to feel loved ourselves. We have needs to, to to know what it's like to connect with the Creator. And, and as we gather in this way, uh, what we do is we open the Bible because we believe that the written Word of God reveals the living Word of God, Jesus, and we're celebrating His resurrection today. And uh, it's interesting as we gather in this way, and the main idea I'm going after this morning, you can write this down or however you want to remember it, is that Jesus' resurrection from the dead gives the hope of new life. It's something to celebrate, really. And, uh, and we're gathering with that in mind, believing that God has made himself known. That is such an important idea, that God has made himself known. Can, can you ever think of a time in your life where you were trying to get somebody's attention, but it was difficult to do? I want to tell you something about my own story where that's true. I've been married um, 17 years. Yeah, thank you. I hope that was my wife that whooped. Um, <laughs> she's in the back like, you know, boom, fist pump, we made it this far. Um, and, uh, and I will never forget when we attended Houston Baptist University. I know I saw some other Huskies in the room. Um, we need a noise like the Aggies. Roof. Um, okay. Um, and uh, we attended HBU, and, and Jeannie was the kind of woman that uh, you thought, this is the kind of gal you want to marry. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I was interested in her before she noticed me. It was one thing that was quite attractive to me about her, is that she wasn't the kind of girl who was always looking for who was going to give her attention. And that was like, you know, a contest for me, and I'm kind of competitive. And so I thought, oh yeah, I will get her attention. And so I set up uh, gatherings with friends, and I-, I played this one pretty smooth. I set up a gathering to go watch that romantic film, The Titanic. This tells you how old I am. Uh, I was in the theaters, and we went to see The Titanic, and I got about 10 of our friends together and just happened to sit next to her in The Titanic. And, uh, you know, we shared an arm rest, you know what I'm saying? She leaned in, I leaned in, and then there was that awkward scene, you know, it was like, okay, this is awkward to be together. And uh, but she still didn't notice. She still didn't think about it. And so we had a mutual friend. So I set up another date and it was just four of us. Right. I told her that there was going to be more, but there was just four of us. And we went out and then we went to the fine dining establishment, Bennegan's. And uh, we we were sitting there at the table. I just wanted her to know me. I wanted her to notice me. Uh, and and she still was not terribly interested in, in noticing me, and she, and, which made her more beautiful. And then I used the only real pickup line that I've ever known to work. Here you go, single guys. I grabbed a sugar packet from the dish on the table, and I threw it before before her, and I said, here's your name tag, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I did do that. That's, I'm embarrassed to say it. And uh, anyway, so... Eventually, uh, I persuaded her to notice me and we got married and it's been a wonderful marriage, 17 and a half years, four kids later. I was determined at that point in my life to, to get her to notice me and because I had needs. You know, when we gather in this way, some of what God has done throughout history is He's, He's done things so that people will notice Him. Now, it's not because He is like I was, which is, uh, a flawed, imperfect, needy man who needed a woman to make him feel good about himself. It wasn't because of that, but God knows that He has something that you need. And so He has done things throughout history to, to say, hey, notice me, notice this, learn about me, here I am. And the, in the very beginning, uh, we understand, like the Bible describes the way that God has made Himself known in nature and creation. You know the Bible says that uh, when you when you observe creation there's things about the way creation works that can give you a sense of the divine. We also see in the Bible and then in other religious teachings that uh, God speaks to people in dreams and in visions he He chooses to impress on people's hearts, or maybe even speak directly to them. There's a story in the Bible, actually, where God uses a donkey to speak to people, which is kind of crazy. So God is determined to make himself known to people. And it's interesting to think about this idea that God, the divine, is going to make himself known. And it may be one reason why, you know, every world religion says that people can connect to God in some way. And there are really, most people in the world believe in the divine, that there's something out there. Many of you do. And it's one reason that every world religion shares some things in common, like this. That most, every world religion or every expression of faith shares some common teaching, like God's presence is everywhere. Or every world religion. Uh, has this moral, moral code that th- says things like, don't murder. I mean, even if you're here and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Christ, you're not taking what we're saying about who Jesus is and what he's done seriously, you would probably agree to the fact that it's not okay to murder somebody, right? Anybody not agree to that? Just, we want to notice you right away. You know, don't steal. We, m- most people in the world would say that, that that's a pretty good idea. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't covet. The Ten Commandments teach that. The, the Ten Precepts of Buddha teach that. The Hindu Scriptures teach that. So there's this moral idea, this moral expectation that's out there that comes as a result of the fact that God has made himself known throughout the world, and different faith expressions share this as a common teaching. Or how about um, be kind and compassionate? The Buddha, you will never rarely hear me quote Buddha. I'm not about Buddha, I'm about the Bible. But Buddha does talk about being kind and compassionate to others. He says, all beings long for happiness. Therefore, extend thy compassion to all. He who wishes his own happiness, let him cultivate goodwill towards all the world. And the point I'm trying to make here is that God has made himself known. He's tapping people on the shoulder throughout history going, hey, I exist. Different people have come to different conclusions as to what this God is like and what it takes to connect with him. But There is some commonality between different faith expressions. And we all want to live in a world like this, right? We all want to live in a world where where we all do right And things like murdering and stealing, lying and coveting are completely eradicated, right? Wouldn't you say that that would be an ideal? We all want to live in that kind of a world, the kind of a world where everyone is kind and compassionate to one another. We all want this. We all have set in our hearts a desire to reflect our idea of God positively in the world. But there is a problem. The problem is that all people fail to do these things perfectly. I know I do. I have. I was thinking about this as I was writing my sermon. How far back can I remember doing something really stupid? And, uh, I, I, you know, I could think back to like yesterday, but I mean, early in my childhood, when I was in the fifth grade, you know, I did something really stupid. We lived in San Antonio, Texas, and at the end of our block was a convenience store. And I don't know what got into my mind, but it was the convenience store where you knew you could not get away from, with stealing something from there. And, but I was determined to do it. I was going to break that rule because I thought I was, you know, real cool, all that kind of stuff. So I went there with the bag, with like a duffel bag. And for whatever reason, I decided I was going to steal, of all things, beef jerky this is a true story. So I'm looking back. I'm not perfect. I've broken rules. I'm just confessing because maybe it'll just make me feel better about myself. And I, I go into this convenience store. I take my duffel bag. No lie. I don't know what I was thinking. It was a foolish criminal. And I went to the beef jerky aisle. I opened my duffel bag up, and I'm literally just like pulling them off of the rack into the duffel bag. I'm zipping up the duffel bag, and I'm going to trick the guy, the cashier. And so I go and play video games for a little bit. That was back when video games had to be played, you know, in the convenience store on the arcade. And the cashier, as I'm trying to walk out, says, excuse me, young man. And I got busted. I mean, you know, like I was flawed. Even as a fifth grader, I made mistakes. You make mistakes. I make mistakes. Here is something that ought to just make us all feel better about how common we are. Everyone is flawed. Everyone makes mistakes. So, God has made himself known. He said, Hey, I exist. This is what I'm like. This is what I expect from you. I want for you to, to be the kind of people who do not murder, do not covet, do not lie, do not do any of these kinds of things. And I want you to be kind and compassionate. And, and, but yet, even with that sense within us, we continue to make mistakes. How many of you would say that that's true about yourself? Anybody? Yeah, we all make mistakes. So, the revelation of God through nature, dreams, and, Impressions, these things that I've mentioned, it's not enough. It's not enough to make us the kind of people we need to be to be right before God. Well, let me tell you what the Christian gospel is. And this is what makes the Christian message different than every other kind of message, the teaching of the Hindu people or the message of Buddha. The Christian gospel says that God has given one more special revelation of himself in the form of a man named Jesus. So God is one being in three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and at just the right time in history, the second person of the triune God became flesh, and his name is Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And when Jesus walked the earth, we learn about God. Because the more clearly we see Jesus, the more fully we understand God. This is why we talk so much about Jesus. And this is why a day like Easter is different for us. When Jesus walked on the earth, he did a lot of things, but eventually he was crucified. We talked about that last week. And then I told you last week that at the cross, Jesus took your place. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 said, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could may, be made right with God through Christ. This idea of sin is when we miss the mark. It's, it's the things that we do where we fail to be loving and compassionate and kind, where we lie, where we do things that we know that we shouldn't do, but we can't seem to control them. The Christian gospel, and the one that that we are declaring in this moment, the one I declare is that God made a way for imperfect people, flawed people just like you and me, people so foolish that they would try to steal dozens of pieces of Slim Gems from a convenience store. Christian message is that the God made a way for people like us to be at peace with a perfect God. Some of you are here this morning and you're striving, you're trying, you're trying to sort your own life out. You're trying to get to that place financially and even with your family and relationally where you just feel peace in your heart. And let me tell you something, apart from a relationship with God through Christ, you will never experience peace. You won't. Peace with God required a sacrifice to be made for sin that sacrifice was Jesus. He died on a Friday. He was put in a tomb. We do this thing around our house every Easter to to help our kids understand what the message of the cross is and the resurrection, and it's a lot of fun with the kids. My kids are 13, 10, 9, and 6, and so Jeannie puts it all together, and you have a little marshmallow, which represents Jesus, and you dip him in butter, which represents the oils that are used to get him body ready for burial. And then you put cinnamon sugar on him, which represents the spices. And it's, it's quite morbid, actually, now that I think about it. You know, we're we're t- Jesus is a marshmallow, and we're burying him, you know. And then you take a crescent roll, and you, you wrap the crescent roll around him. It's supposed to be like the the cloths that are put over Jesus. And then you put him in the tomb. What's the tomb? The oven. Genie, this is really dark. We may we need to rethink this illustration. Our kids are going to grow up being like, yay, Jesus was crucified, you know. He's so sweet, literally. Um, so you put him in there, and you cook it for 12 minutes, and uh, then we, we make a joke about how it's supposed to be, you know, three days because he was in the tomb for three days, and you pull it out, and what's happened? The marshmallow's gone. And then we eat it, you know, and it's a really wonderful illustration And then we can't find the marshmallow, which that's where the analogy falls short, right? Because in the Bible story, Jesus, actually, you can see him. At the cross, Jesus took her place. And this is God's love for you. Christ died in your place. But do you know that he was raised from the dead? This is what gives the hope of new life. Sarah read the scripture so beautifully. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, so Sabbath would be a Saturday, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, which would be a Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And they were probably going to the tomb to mourn and to pray, which was the custom for the Jewish people after somebody was dead. Verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, "Do not be afraid." Which just always strikes me as funny. You walk up to a tomb where you expect to be mourning somebody's death, and there's angels. The tomb door is rolled away, and the angels like, "Hey, don't be afraid." It's like, what? You're angels, you know? I, of course, I'm going to be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Now, um, I know we have some thinking people, and thinking people don't always know how to do things like go amen. But I'm going to read that again, and I'm going to invite you just to say amen. If you're a little weirded out, this is as crazy as it's going to get in here, okay? Uh, so I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to just let you just have at it, okay? Just one amen. You can even think it real loud if you want to, if you're nervous. So here we go. He is not here, for he has risen. All right. Pentecostal up in this place. All right. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Yes. And he ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Why did they take hold of the feet? Like, is this real? Like, are you serious? You're alive? You were dead. We saw you hanging on a cross. We saw your side punctured with a spear. We saw you gasping for air. We heard you cry out to the Father. And we saw you take your last breath. We saw them take you off of the cross and carry you into the tomb. But you're here. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, sometime after this message began to spread. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. This one week that changed the world has at its apex this moment that changes humanity and that is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. This is the Christian message. And some of you may be skeptical. You might say, it didn't happen, I won't listen. Those are the lazy skeptics. The lazy skeptics, and I meet them all the time, say, it didn't happen, I won't listen. Okay, there's nothing I can, nothing I can do about that for you. But if you're a thinking skeptic, because you can be skeptical, you would say, I don't think it happened. What evidence is there that it actually happened? Because Paul's saying, hey, if there's no resurrection, there's no Christian message, and what we're doing here is a waste of our time. two evidences that it would at least open your heart to the possibility that Jesus was raised from the dead. First of all, the tomb was empty. And after Jesus was raised from the dead and he was seen by people, And they began to tell others that the tomb was empty. It was in nearby Jerusalem. And so people would have heard them saying, Jesus has been raised from the dead. They could have easily gone to the tomb and said, no, he hasn't. Look, the stone is still in front of the tomb. He's still in there. The tomb was empty. Some skeptics will say, well, that the reason that the body's not there is because it was stolen. Well, did you know that the leaders of the community thought that that was a possibility, so they actually posted centurions around the tomb to make sure that the body would not be stolen. The tomb was empty. I don't think it's going to convince you of Christianity, but it would at least put in your mind that it's possible that he was raised from the dead. A Second evidence of the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead was that the disciples, his closest followers who fled prior to his death, they were so fearful that they abandoned Jesus prior to his death. In fact, if you remember, Peter, who is one of three of Jesus' closest of his twelve, denied him publicly three times. And this is how weak minded these guys are. These people saw him after the resurrection, they were so convinced of it that they gave their lives to tell people about it. The disciples who fled prior to his death were so convinced that they gave their lives. This is recorded in history, not just Christian history, but also in Jewish history. They were speared to death, some of them. Some of them were skinned alive. They were crucified. Some of them were crucified upside down because they believed that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead and that This was, in fact, the Messiah. This was God made known to the world and that others needed to hear about it. Jesus was raised from the dead. We believe this, that God in the flesh was crucified as an innocent man, and on the third day, God the Father raised God the Son from the dead, and that this changed the world. This is the resurrection message. This is what we celebrate on Easter I've been telling you for about six weeks that this is the one week that changed the world. And I want to give you just a couple of ways that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead changed the world. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk more about these kinds of things. But just for today, let me just give you a good message about how the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us hope. It gives us the hope that sin can be defeated. You don't have to remain slaves to sin. Some of you are here and you know, even this week, you struggled to resist the temptation to do something you know you shouldn't have done. And I know that feeling. Why do I do the things I know I shouldn't? Why do I not do the things that I know I should? We're flawed, we're imperfect. We're tempted by sin and we give in to sin. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead says that the greatest power in the world is Jesus, not the sin that brings death. That's a good message and that's good news. What is that thing for you? Some of you are here this morning, you need hope. You need the hope that the thing that is bogging you down, that's enslaving you, that's tripping you up, that's an obstacle in your life, that that thing can be defeated. And let me tell you how it's going to be defeated. It's not by your willpower, not by your strength. It's by the power of God in you. And that power is made available to you because of Jesus who was raised from the dead. You say, what do I do? You say, God, help me. I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. I need your power to course through my veins so that I can live the kind of life that you want me to live. That's a message of hope. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead also teaches us that there's more to this life than just living and dying and trying to make it through another day. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like... It's kind of the same thing over and over, just living and dying, going to work, dealing with the same problems, coming home. You're just waiting, waiting, waiting until your life's over, just trying to make it through another day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead says that life is about something more than that. Life is an opportunity to bring into the world healing and justice and love. And we do it because we believe that this is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead makes possible. Tim Keller, who's a pastor in New York City, wrote a book called The Reason for God, and he says this, the message of the resurrection is that this world matters that the injustices and pains of this present world must now be addressed with the news that healing, justice, and love have won. Easter means that in a world where injustice, violence, degradation are endemic, God is not prepared to tolerate such things, and that we will work and plan with all the energy of God to implement victory of Jesus over them all. This is the kind of life you get access to whenever you put your faith in Jesus who was raised from the dead. Something that will count beyond your life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead also guarantees a better next life. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 says, I am making all things new. Life is short. There will be a next life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us hope that that will be a life where we get to enjoy the unhindered presence of God in a new heaven and new earth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead gives us the hope of new life. I want us to pray on and think about these things, but I want to tell you a story that left an impact on my life that I'll never forget. And I tell this one nearly every Easter. And then I'll close. Some years ago, God set in my heart a uh, love for the people of East Africa. And over the years of having the opportunity to go there, I have got to experience some really amazing ministries, some amazing things. I... <clears throat> I saw that there are people that are living on a whole lot less than I feel like I need to live on and have a tremendous amount of joy. I'll never forget one of the trips that I was on. It was one of those with a small team, three other men, and it was a difficult trip. We, we got into the eastern part of Africa in Ethiopia and the eastern part of Ethiopia in an area closer to Somalia. And once we got to the place we were staying, we knew that the next day was going to be a long journey. We took a, a bus ride into a remote part of the land. We got out and we hiked for a couple of hours into the bush. And we were going there just to encourage the believers that were there. There were not many, but there were a few. And I'll never forget, as we were taking that bus ride there and then hiking into the bush that the stories I begin to hear about this one man. And this one man had converted to Christianity from Islam, and it cost him everything. And in this part of the world, if you choose to put your faith in Jesus who was raised from the dead, it's more than just a decision on where you're going to attend church on Sunday morning. It's a decision where you're essentially saying to your family and to your friends, I choose Jesus even if it costs me everything. If it costs me my land, if it costs me my family, if it costs me my life. And for this man, I had heard that it cost him his family and it cost him his friends. And not having land was the way, and that's the uh, where they conduct commerce, or that's their Material possession is their land. And so I heard about this guy, and we get out into the bush, and I was really anxious to meet with him and to talk to him. And I spent some time with this guy, just listening to him talk and through a translator. And at one moment, I finally had a little window where it was just he and I, and I just asked him, I said, I said, how is it that you came to a place where you would choose to put your faith in Jesus who was raised from the dead, knowing it would cost you everything, maybe even your life. And I'll never forget as I looked into his dark, wrinkly, weathered face, his skinny, frail African body. He looked so strong as he said these words to me. He said, imagine that you were going on a journey, and at one point in the journey, there are two paths, and at the end of one path is a leader who is dead, or an idea which is dead, and at the end of the other path, you see Jesus, and he's saying, come on, and he's alive. Which path would you choose? And as he began to weep, I began to weep because it just made sense. The Christian message of God is that Jesus was raised from the dead and he's alive. He's alive. And for you to connect with him, you do not have to be perfect. You can remain flawed. Because the reason that he died is because you are imperfect and he's made a way for your sin to be erased. And he's there saying to you, come on, come on. And you may choose to go down the path with an Id- following an idea that is dead or a person that remains dead, a religious leader that remains dead. You can choose that, but just know it's dead. Or you can choose to follow Jesus where there is life and hope. The choice is yours. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead because we believe that there's a hope of new life. And out of that, everything in our life flows. Let's pray on and think about these things. Would you just right where you are, think about what is going through your mind and heart? Maybe you've been encouraged today. Maybe you would just say to God right there where you are, God, thank you for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It gives me hope. Maybe you are struggling with something. Maybe you've got a problem that you've been unsure of whether or not God cares about. I want you to know that he does. He's tapping you on the shoulder and he's saying, Hey, I care. I want you to know me. I want you to know that I care. Will you let him in? And certainly there are some of you that have come in as skeptics. If you're a lazy skeptic, there's not much I can do for you in this moment until you begin to think. But maybe you've been a thinking skeptic and. Your heart is open to the possibility that Jesus was raised from the dead. Because if Jesus was raised from the dead, we have to take the rest of it too. That's the hinge pin. What do you want to say to God in this moment? How will you celebrate Jesus this morning? So we're just going to sing a song of response. And during this song, if you want to stand up, you can. Um, if you want to quietly reflect where you are and pray, you can. And then I'll come back and I'll lead us in the taking of the Lord's Supper.